Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Well, good evening and thanks very much for joining us. An investigation is underway into a terrible accident in the downtown east side involving Vancouver police, a portion of which was caught on camera. A VPD cruiser hit a pedestrian on the street, sending the man to hospital. As Catherine Urquhart reports, it's raising questions about both speed and distracted driving. Video shows a man bent over in the 100 block of East Hastings Street. It's about 3.20 in the morning. Then a squad car comes up the road and strikes the man. Our officer stopped, provided first aid uh, to uh, the injured pedestrian. Um, he was taken to hospital uh, and has since been released. It's unclear why the VPD officer appeared to be driving over the 30 kilometer speed limit. The car had no emergency lights or sirens, suggesting the officer was not rushing to a call. It's just horrible. I mean, um, somebody's family member and, uh, you know, that, that area of Hastings is a 30-kilometer zone and it's almost should be treated like a school zone area and a lot of people cross the street without looking. Also unclear why the man was in the middle of the road. The Independent Investigations Office is now investigating. Our role is to look at that circumstance and determine whether or not the officer's actions uh, justify the consideration of charges or not. And the video will allow us to not only have a very good view of the collision between the car and the individual, but also it will allow us, to, it will help us determine speed. In addition, the IIO will consider whether distracted driving played a role. And anyone who witnessed the collision is asked to contact the IIO. The officer involved remains on the job. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. An Abbotsford police officer has now been charged in connection with an incident Global News first reported in December of last year. An investigation was launched following an arrest where a member of the public was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. The B.C. Prosecution Service has announced Abbotsford Police Constable Christopher Conway has been charged with one count of assault. Abbotsford Police aren't releasing any more details, but they say Conway will remain on active duty. Now to a tragic and unusual story in Squamish, where RCMP are appealing to the driver in a hit and run to come forward after a crash that killed a woman earlier this month. Police say they know who he is and have a pretty good idea of what happened. But Aaron MacArthur reports tonight they still need more information. The tire marks are still visible on the street nearly three weeks later. The night of September 2nd, a truck jumped this downtown Squamish curb, plowing through a bench where two women were waiting for the bus. Both women were seriously injured. Last week, one 44-year-old Gurpreet Sangha died from her injuries. Thank you, it's very hard to speak. Uh, we have lost sister, wife, daughter, 
mother of two teens. The women were pinned under the truck, described as a 1999 white Ford F-250. Bystanders helped free the two women and then helped the driver from the wreckage. He ran. Officers arrested him about a half an hour later, but released him. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Now Squamish RCMP are asking for the driver to come in for questioning. It's an appeal at this point in time for that person to come in on their own uh, to, to provide information to us about the event. Squamish RCMP are also pleading with any witnesses to come forward. The already serious investigation became more complex with Senga's death. Despite all the evidence and strong suspicion of who the driver is, RCMP are at this point unable to recommend charges to Crown Council. Obviously, if we had in any investigation, if we had grounds to make an arrest on something, uh, we, would, we would proceed that way. But at this point in time, we are actively asking that person to come in and do the right thing. Anyone with information about this crash is asked to contact the lead investigator directly. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Two people are still in hospital after that awful crash on the Upper Levels Highway yesterday afternoon. It happened along Highway 1 eastbound between Cypress Bowl Road and 22nd Street. Police and witnesses say the driver of the motorhome somehow ended up going the wrong way, traveling westbound in the eastbound lanes. The young woman at the wheel triggered a multi-vehicle crash, injuring six people. Two are still being treated. Four others have already been released from hospital. Investigators have collected evidence from the scene, but they are appealing to the public for any dash cam video of the incident. A charge is now being laid in connection with a murder in Langley six months ago. It happened back in March at the Langley Highway Hotel, where the body of 30-year-old Cody Mostat was found. IHIT has now announced a charge of second-degree murder has been laid against Justin Boss. He was arrested without incident on Wednesday. The RCMP say they've dismantled a B.C. branch of a major international organized crime ring. Three Richmond residents are facing a number of drug and firearms charges. They allegedly had connections to Japan's infamous Yakuza crime syndicate. Police say the accusations stem from an investigation launched three years ago when border guards intercepted 12 kilograms of meth bound for Japan hidden in protein powder containers. Chun Yu Look, Shui Yuan, and Yabobo Chen all face charges, along with a man from Japan and another from China. A woman has been arrested after causing panic for patients and staff at BC Women's Hospital this morning. Vancouver police say they got several 911 calls about a woman who was screaming and threatening staff. They say she was uncontrollable and violent and at one point chased a doctor who ran to safety. Staff barricaded themselves in rooms with babies and police say the suspect tried to break into a nursery with a knife. Officers eventually subdued the woman with a beanbag gun and she's now facing several charges. I can tell you that um, the suspect in this case um, had um, previously been uh, a patient at the hospital, um, but beyond that, um, in order to respect her privacy and the integrity of the ongoing investigation, um, 
we're not going to provide any further detail. Police say they're still learning about the suspect's state of mind and are gathering more evidence. Now, a major development in pandemic protocols. Canada is set to drop the COVID-19 vaccine mandate at the border at the end of the month. The decision to let the current measures expire on September 30th, as planned, was reportedly made earlier today with the Prime Minister's approval. Along with the vaccine mandate being dropped, the ArriveCan app will become optional for travelers entering Canada. While some infectious disease experts have warned of another wave of new COVID cases this fall, public health officials here also say we're transitioning to a more sustainable phase of the pandemic. A sophisticated scam targeting desperate renters. What they do to make it seem so real and how some victims lost thousands of dollars. That's next. A BC teenager showing she's got the speed you need to win in a male-dominated sport. Coming up. Also tonight, the electric wave hitting the boating industry, where Canada's first marine supercharger just went online. That's later. Right now, though, Victoria police have arrested two people in connection with an elaborate rental scam that's left a number of people out thousands of dollars. Our Kylie Stanton spoke with one of the victims who says it was very difficult to tell that she and her partner were being taken. It was right downtown Pandora Ave. In Victoria's tight rental market, finding something that checks all the boxes is tough to come by. It was really nice looking. So when a listing like this comes up, you jump on it. Yeah, we were looking online and we ended up finding this place on Craigslist. This student who does not want to be identified and her partner made arrangements to view the apartment. The alleged landlord let them in using a key fob, brought them upstairs and proceeded to show them around. Told us a lot about the building, discussed the utilities, like he had this whole story about it. After checking their references, the couple was offered the place. They signed a rental agreement and paid a $900 damage deposit and later half a month's rent, all in cash as requested. It wasn't until moving day they realized something was terribly wrong. I took the keys, turned around, went to try them on the building and they did not work. Realizing they had been scammed, they reported it and posted the story to Reddit, asking any advice, any similar stories we can tell police. And multiple people um, commented and private messaged us saying like, pieces of your story are exactly the same as what happened to me. Investigators have confirmed there are at least 10 victims, all out thousands of dollars, but are hoping more will come forward. Two suspects have been arrested and have since been released with conditions. This is one of them. He has dark brown, stubble-length hair, wears a medical mask and a newsboy-style hat, a button-up shirt, and a necklace. Often has painted fingernails, very distinctive. So if you've had an interaction with this person, especially around a rental unit, we, we need to talk to you. According to the Tenant Resource and Advocacy Centre, frauds like this one tend to thrive in rental markets where the vacancy rate is extremely low. People seeing an opportunity to take advantage of renters desperate for housing. So it probably is therefore a good idea to be extra vigilant. Um, and you know, that includes those initial steps like making sure you can see the place before you pay money, ensuring that the person is the owner, and can also involve taking that final step and actually looking up the property. This victim followed all of that advice when forced to find a new rental. 
knowing she's not alone has brought some comfort, but she's telling her story, knowing it has the power to protect others from the same fate. This was a very elaborate thing that happened to a lot of other people, and I'm just hoping that it doesn't happen to any more people. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A new poll suggests Premier John Horgan will be leaving office with a relatively high approval rating. Keith Baldry joins us with more on the poll and how John Horgan's approval rating compares to other premiers across Canada. Keith? Yeah, it's quite remarkable. I've covered 10 premiers, never seen a premier enjoy such a high level of sustained popularity. There was a bit of a dip a couple months ago with that Royal BC Museum debacle, uh, but according to Angus Reid and the regular polling of approval ratings for premiers, John Horgan has bounced back a bit. Here's a list of some of the premiers and their approval ratings and the change in the last couple months. Uh, John Horgan at 51%, up three points. Jason Kenney continues to be a lame duck premier. He's even down even further than he was before. Uh, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe has shown the biggest improvement. Not sure why that is. Doug Ford's up a bit as well. But uh, Premier Francis Legault in Quebec has to be a bit worried. His approval rating is below 50% at a time when he's waging a provincial election. So again, John Horgan defying the odds, quite frankly. He's running ahead of his party. And again, that really hasn't changed for some time. And he's uh, going out on that high note. Do we know exactly mm -hmm. when he'll be stepping down, Keith? Not entirely clear yet. Things can get quite interesting because if David Eby is the only official candidate, we could know as early as October. That's when Eby could conceivably take over if there's no challenger. But if Anjali Apdurai, the climate activist's candidacy, is approved, by no means a sure thing, I can tell you that, then we wouldn't know until December 3rd because that's when the winner would be announced. But here's where it could get interesting. If she were to win the leadership, I'm not saying that's going to happen, because she has no caucus support, it's unlikely she would become the premier. John could conceivably continue on as premier with the caucus support or the caucus could put their support behind someone else. The party doesn't choose the premier, the caucus mm -hmm. does. The twists and turns of BC politics, Keith, thank you. All right. As unusual, they might say. Just ahead, seniors falling behind. We see so many seniors who have to make a decision between the rent, their food for the table and their meds. How a new report is raising the alarm about our elders with BC at the bottom of a bad list. Three, two, one. Plus, TransLink unveils a brand new customer service center at the busiest hub in the system. BC's Seniors Advocate says the provincial government gives less support to seniors in BC than in any other province. A new report titled BC Seniors Falling Further Behind takes a closer look at the financial supports offered here and why often they aren't adequate. Richard Zussman has more. And the dates are good. A New Horizon Senior Centre in James Bay, it's a service with increasing demand. Members able to stop in and get food they can't afford to buy. We see so many seniors who have to make a decision between the rent, their food for the table and their meds. A new report from BC Seniors Advocate painting a grim picture. The working age medium income in the province, $51,000 a year, compared to just under $31,000 per year for seniors. It's very stressful. Uh, people wonder if their money's going to last as long as they do. The province ranked the worst among Canadian provinces for senior support, raising flags from housing to health care to social services. The province safer program to provide housing support failing. The goal is for 30% of a senior's income to pay for rent. Now it's closer to 60% in Vancouver. 
with 49% of low-income seniors saying if they own a home, they can't afford major repairs. 50% of seniors concerned they can't afford staying in their home, food bank use is up 78%, and 84% of low-income seniors report running out of money to buy food. Their costs around me are going up all the time, of course, for food and for other items. The seniors advocate laying out a series of recommendations, tying senior supplement to inflation, redesigning safer to reflect the rental market, increasing awareness of the property tax deferral program, developing a program to support major home repairs, and extending health benefits to eyeglasses, hearing aids, and mobility aids. What we want to aspire to uh, is to make the, the changes necessary um, so that we can call ourselves the best. None of the multiple ministers that were requested for an interview were made available on Thursday, but the province did say the SAFER program is being reviewed. As for the cost of all these recommendations, the seniors advocate says they haven't been calculated yet. They are our lowest income people, and if they're renting, they are in significant financial straits right now. Back at New Horizons, a hope just a little food will help a senior who desperately needs it. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Worker shortages have been well documented in BC during the pandemic, and now you don't even need a high school diploma to work in one area of health care. Interior Health is hiring phlebotomy technicians, people who draw blood specimens to work in their labs. The only requirements are a grade 10 education and a year of relevant experience. Five people have been hired and another dozen or so are being trained, but IHA says that's still well short of what they need. Patients are being assured the level of training will be up to provincial standards. There, there's a 12-week program that involves, you know, theory and uh, um, um, uh, eight weeks of hands-on practicum, um, you know, in the hospitals to, to support their, their training and to make sure that they're competent in what we need them to do. The job description for the new position is similar to a lab assistant, which needs up to one year of post-secondary. TransLink is launching a new customer service center to help get you where you need to go in Metro Vancouver. The new center is located at Waterfront Station. It'll be three times the size of the current customer service center at Stadium Station. Staff at the new center will be able to provide in-person support to twice as many customers as before. Waterfront is the region's busiest transit hub with two SkyTrain lines, C-Bus, West Coast Express, HandyDart, and BikeShare. TransLink says the aim of the new center is to provide a better customer experience. This center will be a one-stop shop for all of your transit needs. Customer support, wayfinding, uh, physical products like compass cards, wristbands, or compass minis, uh, all in our merch stand all over there. Anything our customers need will be right here available to them. The new TransLink Customer Service Center will open to the public tomorrow. To a clarification now, on Tuesday, Global News identified an office building as being associated with Roger Bhatti, an immigration lawyer convicted of fraud. He has not been a tenant there for some time, and Bhatti is not associated with any immigration businesses at that address, and we apologize for any confusion that video might have caused. Up next, acts of defiance. Hey! 
People around the world, including here in B.C., rage against Iran's brutal crackdown on women's rights. And high drama in a Kitimat neighborhood. Why RCMP arrested the homeowner when his house caught fire. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When B.C. needs to connect, B.C. turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Worldwide outrage is spreading over the death in Iran of a 22-year-old woman while in the custody of the country's morality police. As Negar Moshtahedi reports, Iranian Canadians are showing their solidarity with Masa Amini. Iranian women are taking the lead on the front lines of a battle demanding the basic right to wear what they want, to have a choice on whether to wear a hijab or not. The significance of hair isn't in the looks, it's in the politics. And the death of Masa Amini is now putting the country's strict hijab law and dress code, the morality police, and the regime under the spotlight, with protests erupting in cities across Iran and around the world. Here in Canada, some women are chopping their hair in solidarity. In Vancouver, hundreds of people like Tamina Sadiqi showed up to protest in front of the U.S. consulate, with the Biden administration now sanctioning Iran's morality police. This is a disrespect to any woman. She was only 22. Masa could have been my daughter. Watching images of Amini on her phone made her feel overwhelmed with grief and anger. Sadiqi says she too was arrested in Iran for simply showing some hair. When I saw like Masa's picture and when I heard the news, it was broke my heart. Like I couldn't believe it that a young innocent woman, 22, who had a future in front of her, just died because of the few hairs showing her hair. Last year, the United Nations elected Iran to the UN Women's Rights Commission. Now, people are demanding that Iran be removed. Demonstrators say Maso Amini has become a symbol of Iran's restrictive and violent treatment of women, saying she represents all Iranian women, all who came before her, and all who will likely come after her. Negar Moshehedi, Global News. Some frightening video now of a passenger jet just after takeoff. Oh, oh my God! An employee of Newark Airport caught that video of sparks flying out of a United Airlines jet shortly after taking off for Brazil. The video shows some of the sparks falling slowly from the sky. The plane was forced to turn around and make an emergency landing, but not before circling for 90 minutes to burn off some fuel. The Boeing 777 with 256 passengers on board eventually landed safely with no injuries. United says it experienced a mechanical problem problem, probably with a hydraulic pump. One man has been taken into custody in Kitimat after he allegedly set his own home on fire. RCMP say flames broke out on Swan Street around 5 o'clock yesterday evening. Officers say they were performing a wellness check on a man in the home, but the man refused to come out. According to police, he allegedly set a fire inside the house once they convinced him to leave. 
Neighbors say RCMP warned them to evacuate because the situation escalated. Um, the, the fire didn't start yet. Um, we were getting ready to leave, um, but then they knocked on our door and they said that, um, that we should leave because, um, yeah, they were across the street taking care of that guy, trying to get him out. So um, I grabbed my kids and my boyfriend just locked up everything and then we left. RCMP say their investigation is ongoing. Well, what began as a call to Penticton RCMP to check on a man who was passed out in a vehicle led to an arrest and a big seizure of drugs and weapons. The call came in around 9 o'clock yesterday morning, reporting a man passed out in a running vehicle near Amherst Street and Rosetown Avenue. When the officer arrived, he noticed drugs and paraphernalia inside the cab and arrested the man for suspected drug-impaired driving. A search of the vehicle turned up multiple weapons, a significant quantity of drugs, and a large amount of cash as well. The 34-year-old Penticton resident faces numerous charges now, pending approval by Crown Council. Work is set to begin next week to deconstruct and remove a giant sunken barge that's threatening the environment near Campbell River. The 89-meter trailer princess was most recently a support barge for logging operations, complete with a helicopter pad. But it's no longer operational. So far, 89,000 liters of gas, diesel, jet fuel and oily water has been removed. The federal government is overseeing the $4.7 million salvage operation. The trailer princess, by the way, started its working life as a U.S. Navy landing craft in the Second World War. Researchers have discovered some long COVID patients with lasting symptoms have signs of autoimmune diseases. A new study shows those suffering from symptoms like fatigue and shortness of breath one year after infection are also showing signs of autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. The study found two abnormal antibodies known to cause autoimmune diseases were persistent in 30% of long COVID patients. In these cases, researchers recommend that you talk to your doctor, get a checkup and figure out if you're at risk. Still ahead, a BC teen with the need for speed. <laughs> What inspired this 16-year-old to live her life at full throttle later? And a BC woman builds her reputation as a Lego master, appearing before a worldwide audience. The first Marina EV charging station in Canada has been installed in Kingston. It will allow electric boat owners on Lake Ontario to charge up quickly before hitting the open water. A standard charging session, keep in mind, would last no longer than 45 minutes. Kingston was chosen as the first location in Canada in part because of its commitment to green energy. We're really in the infancy. We're, we're automotive 12 years ago uh, where, you know, the industry is just starting to come about. And uh, uh, from a performance production perspective, we're really proud to be North America's first. For the first year, the company behind the charger, Voltari, says all charges at this station will be free. Good thing their boats are pretty expensive. 
Well, people on Canada's east coast are battening down the hatches and getting food and supplies together for what's expected to be a weekend of heavy rain and wind. Hurricane Fiona is traveling north with a route expected to reach Canada late Friday night. As Kyle Benning reports, that has many in Atlantic Canada thinking of the devastation from the last big storm. The sailing season is ending abruptly in Atlantic Canada. Boaters are looking to take their vessels out of the harbour while they're still calm before the storm from the incoming Hurricane Fiona. I certainly have seen uh, the, the remnants of Dorian from a few years ago and I uh, have no interest in my boat being a part of that. Three years ago, this New Brunswick Yacht Club saw a devastation brought on from Hurricane Dorian. 72 boats were lost and damaged from that storm, with the club putting in $2.5 million to rebuild the marina, which still isn't complete. And even though those rebuilds included improvements to deal with severe weather, the club's general manager recommended members take their boats out. But, you know, there's always failures that can happen on with winds and tides and whatnot. Hurricane Dorian slammed Atlantic Canada, even seeing a construction crane topple in heavy winds. The Canadian Hurricane Centre says Hurricane Fiona will transform into a post-tropical storm by the time it makes landfall in Canada, meaning a larger area will be impacted. This is what we're going to see with this particular storm. So in terms of area of coverage this is going to cover a fairly large area very similar to what dorian did three years ago meteorologists are warning winds could reach between 100 and 140 kilometers per hour with 100 to 200 millimeters of rain starting late friday night officials are asking people to weather fiona from a safe place and to be prepared for potential flooding and power outages this storm is going to hit us folks it's going to hit us in the face and so we have to be ready. Uh, and as Erica said, we want people to be secure in their homes. Hurricane Fiona has wreaked havoc on a number of Caribbean nations. Canadian emergency agencies are asking people to have access to the essentials for up to three days. Kyle Benning, Global News. Not, Our, not fun to get hit in the face no, by anything. No, let's bring in... I know because your nephew got you in the... Oh, wow. I had to miss yesterday because of an eye injury, but it's fine. <laughs> you're you're going to live, right? Okay. I'll live. Okay, I'll good. Live. All right, uh, Christy Gordon is here now with a look at more on that storm and our weather forecast. Christy? Yeah, I mean, that storm really is no joke, as you're mentioning. I mean, it, this is substantial. And not only that, is that it's going to head towards those regions at its strongest at night. And so that is uh, really a significant impact in terms of uh, the amount that um, people can get out and help themselves or even crews can. So power outage is absolutely possible and localized flooding, road closures and things like that are certainly a possibility for a number of days. So this is starting Friday night and then into the weekend. Meanwhile, here it has been gorgeous now officially we are in fall everyone yes 604 we transitioned to fall and it has been a gorgeous day tomorrow is going to feel a little bit more like fall but it's not going to bring enough moisture to make an impact we have a significant drought problem here's a look so now all of the south coast is categorized as an extreme drought or category four drought level so it includes vancouver island sunshine coast metro vancouver fraser valley as well as the northeastern corner and what that means is adverse effects are likely uh, this could be on the uh, the ecosystem 
system or socioeconomic impacts. So we will be tracking this and we are trending definitely towards record-breaking drought. And then the fire danger rating has soared and tomorrow's rain is not going to be substantial enough to bring a significant impact to that fire danger rating. So as we head into a weekend of sunshine, keep that in mind. Cigarettes, uh, outdoor fires, things like that. Be really careful. We're only talking about one to two millimeters of rain tomorrow for the first full day of fall. And that's about it. That is not going to put enough moisture into those fine fuels. So while it will feel like fall tomorrow with cloud and showers and cooler conditions across the BC area, it's really only one day and not substantial rainfall. So keep that in mind. Sunshine on the way for the weekend, though, for all you sun lovers and into next week, we continue with this trend. And here's tonight's central windows weather window, which is coming to you from White Lake. Uh, we had uh, some Boaters in our weather window from last night and again tonight. Uh, great little series, I suppose. But one thing I wanted to point out is the mist. We are certainly starting to see some fog or mist in through the morning hours. Cooler through the morning, but at least nice during the day. Back to you. Thanks very much, Christy. Seen my breath last couple of mornings out there with uh, the dog for the mm -hmm. first walk of the day. Yeah. Cool. All right. A Kelowna woman is building her way on to one of the most popular TV shows. My dad and I used to build these really giant Lego towers and then knock them over. So ever since I was a kid, I loved it. And then I just got back into it as an adult. And I also discovered that there's this amazing community of adults who also love Lego. Stacy Roy will be competing against some of the very best adult Lego lovers on Lego Masters, which kicked off its season premiere last night. She tells Global News her lifelong passion for Lego really took a turn a couple of years ago when she started live streaming her Lego builds online. And then my partner on the show, Nick Delamora, he's also a content creator and he reached out to me and he's like, hey, what do you think about being on this Lego Masters show? And I was like, that sounds amazing because I love Lego. And then before I know it, the ball got rolling. I was auditioning and then I was off to Atlanta, Georgia to be on Lego Masters. Roy managed to get past the first round of cuts during last night's premiere, which was space-themed. This is the first season of LEGO Masters that'll feature Canadian contestants with three Canadian teams competing on the show. Very cool. Who doesn't or, love LEGO? Well, it's a good question. You don't love it so much when you step on it. I was going to say, isn't that a common parent injury, Chris, stepping on the loose piece it of is. LEGO? It, it is, and hospitalizations are are rampant. Usually after he's the one who's left it lying on the floor, I'm guessing. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Although Will hasn't been into it for a while. Hey, speaking of building things, can we build a championship hockey team this season? Wow, that's a segue. They should be better. <laughs> if, if they play like they did under Bruce Boudreaux last season, yes, they will challenge for a playoff spot. It was day one of Canucks camp up in Whistler. And Russian winger Andre Kuzmenko, who they brought over from the KHL, was on a line with Elias Pedersen, and he impressed the coach. If this guy is as good as advertised, he's going to take the city by storm. As we said, Kuzmenko was in the KHL before this season. He and Ilya Mikheyev and Vasily Podkolzin means Vancouver will have three Russians this year. Excellent. Also later, life in the fast lane for a teenage racing sensation from B.C. Seems like there's a bit of a theme this season on the Canucks. Well, things have changed with the Vancouver Canucks roster makeup. You know, even though some of the most talented players the Canucks have ever had 
were Russian. There was a long stretch of time where Vancouver avoided signing or drafting Russian players altogether. But this year, the Canucks will likely have three Russians on their roster to start the season. Pod Colson, Mikheyev, and Andre Kuzmenko. The latter two started training camp as wingers for Elias Pettersson. Ilya Mikheyev, number 65, who was brought in as a free agent from Toronto, and Andre Kuzmenko, number 96, who was signed out of the KHL, made instant impressions on Pettersson. Okay, he was super fast. Uh, he opens up for, for us, and uh, me and Kuzmenko are maybe kind of similar with the way we play, but I mean, I, uh, from the scrimmage and our scrimmages before, it's been feeling good. He's so, so smart guy. Uh, and uh, he can, uh, I hope he can use our speed and we help him, he help us. Of the two, Kuzmenko was the bigger question mark. Can he handle the switch to the smaller NHL ice surface from the big ice in Russia where he was second in KHL scoring last season? When I played uh, offensive players were better on smaller ice surfaces because things happen a lot quicker. And so he might be thinking the exact same thing. Uh, I don't want to make too many comparisons at, at all, but like Kuzmenko's release is a lot like Ovi's release, you know, looking at both of them off the, off the left side. With Vasilipod Colson on the roster as well, the Canucks' investment in Russians reminds older fans of the 1990s. McGillney gets the puck, left wing boards, hangs onto it now. Centering pass, they score! Calvary! And Kuzmenko, who's revitalizing Burray's second number with the Canucks, 96, is glad to be following in Pavel's footsteps as well by playing for Vancouver. Uh, now it's happy. Vancouver is a beautiful city for me. I like to places, mountains, oceans, the forest, I like it. Uh, what's the team? It's a good team. I'm happy. It's a very simple game because a uh, uh, very smart, smart player with me and uh, Ilya and uh, Peterson is very good attack forward. It's uh, not problem. Seems like you've got some personality as well. 100%, yeah. I mean, I said that the first day I saw him. If this guy is a if this guy is as good as advertised, he's going to take the city by storm. So the way they did things at training camp, they had three different groups practicing, and they had a scrimmage. In the first group, two of the defensemen out there were Oliver Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes, which is an intriguing pairing, one that Bruce Boudreau might try, depending on course, of course, if they can figure out which one rushes the puck and which one stays back and covers for a counterattack. Ekman Larson is keen to try this, despite the fact they're both offensive defensemen. I mean, uh, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but um, obviously I think everybody wants to play with Quinn. Uh, ask anybody in the league. Uh, I think they would like to play with him. So, um, I mean, I think uh, we have, haven't have played together uh, a lot. Uh, I was a few shifts, uh, shifts uh, last year, but at the same time, I think... Uh, Quinn, Quinn cares a lot about D-Zone as well, and, and I think uh, he's reading the, the, the game better than, and, than anybody really. So I think if I go, go up and have the puck, he's going to take a little bit more uh, safety home. So uh, I think that's just uh, great to have two, two options like that. So uh, it'll be great to, to, to try it out. We'll see.
Day one, President's Cup, USA against international players not from Europe, and it was all stars and bars today. Five alternate shot matches, Cameron Young sealing the deal here with that long birdie putt. The U.S. won four or five matches today. Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith of Canada both lost their respective matches. The U.S. has only lost one President's Cup in 13 previous tournaments. Roger Federer's final competitive tennis match will be tomorrow morning, our time, at the Laver Cup in London, which is like the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup, if you like, of tennis. Europe against a world team, and it's going to be a doubles match where Federer's partner will be Rafael Nadal. They played each other 40 times in their career, with Nadal winning 26 matches, but they're still great friends. Okay, dog pound tonight, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. Check out this catch by the rookie George Pickens. This is why he was drafted. A little contortion work, but keeps his eye on the ball. It's a little Odell Beckham Jr., I would say, with that one-handed grab. One more look, and at halftime, the Steelers, thanks partly to that, have a one-point lead over Cleveland. There you go. Wow. All right. Thanks, Squire. Up next, the 16-year-old who can outdrive most adults and how she was at the wheel long before she could even get her license. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. All right, Kamal Karmali is standing by with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. Kamal? Sophie, we know hospital wait times are a major problem in this province, but what do you do when your life could literally be on the line? That's the experience of one terrorist woman who needs access to emergency care after her foot got badly injured in a car crash three weeks ago. The problem is, though, the hospital that's supposed to treat her has no beds available, and now she's been warned she may lose her foot or even her life if if it's not treated in time, we'll speak to her and the solution some medical professionals are proposing. That's up at 11 o'clock. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Kamal. All right, so at 16, most young people are just learning to drive, but Nicole Haberda is way ahead of them. She's tearing up the track and knocking down stereotypes about women in the racing world. And as Jay Durant tells us, getting some serious screen time in a new film about motorsports. I'm Nicole Haberda. I race go-karts on a competitive level. Full Throttle is a new documentary featuring women in motorsports, and one of the stars is a 16-year-old from Comox. Nicole Haverda only started racing four years ago after her dad took her to an F1 race. Hamilton takes the lead ahead of... But she wasn't too excited about. Nah, that's not interesting. I don't want to watch that. And right when we got there, I heard the cars going, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's, that's crazy. I want to do that. She started in go-karts, quickly working her way up to open-wheel racing. The grade 11 student left high school two years ago and shifted to online learning to accommodate her busy race schedule, which came with a lot of sacrifices. You start to lose friends, which is surprising because they're like, they realize, oh, you're not going to be there, so we won't ask to hang out. Ladies, start your engines. This is her new social circle, new friends on the circuit with a lot of family support. Something she talked to Lewis Hamilton about when she met the F1 star this summer. We really related on our like parents and how much they support. And he was like getting super emotional about that. And you know, me too. It's been a huge commitment for Team Haverda just to get to this point. We are on the on the on the beginning of the journey, sort of. With, um, the, the big world is opening for her for sure. 
It's lots of work. We kind of have a joke of it, you know, my dad, we call him the manager, but like, because he does, I swear, everything. Sometimes I don't even know what. This was, um, I would say, one of my most recent trophies. Um, is Finding success alongside those who share this passion for racing and just maybe inspiring others destined for the track. It feels good to be a woman in a sport because you're changing diversity. You know, it's a male-dominant sport and you should just go for it. Just do it, you know, there's nothing stopping you. Jay Durant, Global News. I'm not ungrateful, I got a good gig, but I'm jealous of her. <laughs> if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca and I know you want to do it too. Just don't drive like that on your way home tonight. No promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll give uh, Christy the final word on weather. Uh, is, so it is fall now. Yeah. Like officially. It is officially fall. Oh, I hate to say that. Yeah, officially 604 <laughs> we changed over, so it's fall. Uh, although um, it's feeling like summer still. It won't be the case tomorrow. It is going to feel more like fall. But again, really be careful. It, this is not substantial rain, not going to change much in terms of that fire danger rating and the drought levels we're experiencing. We're right back into sunshine next, uh, sorry, on the weekend and into next week as well. No sweaters in that forecast. All right, thanks very much, Christy, and thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great so, night. Good night, it. all. Yeah.